Oh, what are we talking? Oh. I'm talking into the mic. I'm talking We're on mic. the air. Oh, I, had a, I have a suggestion. We need to have, like, sounds, like either like a, a gong or a whistle or a trumpet or something when we get something good going, like... No? Yeah, or when we talk about... Here's, here's mine and Ed's favorite sound. This is one of our favorite sounds, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> now, those of you from Ed Sheen's generation, that is not the ticker tape coming off of uh, the hot press when you guys used to do... Uh, beep, 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 beep. What's that called? I don't even know. SOS. Uh, Morse code. That is the sound of the calculator calculating things. Profit. I prefer... I prefer the sound of cash. You know, because it's in my hand. I'm not looking at. I mean, numbers on a machine is nice, but they don't mean shit until you got the money in your hand. Hold on, see? I got to get a bigger bill. I only got a couple of thousand on me here. <laughs> see, like, you know. You want, you want my, my bankroll? Here's the, here's the sound I like. It sounds so much better than a calculator. No, this is in my hand. At calculator, you can't go into a store and go, look at these numbers, give me something. What I'm fanning here, you can take and get some thing of value with this sound here. And then you cash it in, and sometimes you can get a discount. You know what I mean? That's the sound I like the best. I mean, I think that's a great intro. Forgive me, I'm eating. <laughs> I'm on my 14th hour of the day. I did so, eat lunch, though. I did eat lunch. It doesn't always happen. We won't discuss so that. So you got another four hours to go. What's the problem? I'm here. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about today? Besides cash is better than numbers on a computer or calculator. So let me just, because you're a hammer, let me just explain. Counting money in your hands, it's fabulous. Looking at it, making sure it's in your bank account, fabulous. Calculator allows for accuracy. So you know exactly how much you actually really have. Even with those cash dollar bills, a calculator would still work. So if you want to know how much you have, you don't do that with a calculator. You, you can't count the... checks, and you can count them in your head because we've done it, but you can't count checks. I'm not like... counting nothing in my head. I look at a screen... Or I have my uh, financial statements from different places. And also... When you're in business, and I know you probably had a ledger book like friggin' Al Capone, but when you're in business, you use the calculator to make these things called deposits. Yeah. Did you use a calculator? Yeah. No shit. So that, thank you. Point made. I agree with the cash. You're thing. leaving a point. The point is, the point I'm making is... That just allowed another step where I got beat out of money because the bank was screwing you one way or another. Or allowed you to win money. In fact, funny How story. How does a bank allow you to win not money? Not win money, but if you calculate it correctly, if you calculate it incorrectly, you think the bank's going to tell you you were wrong when it was in their favor? I don't know. Oh, anyway, so to tell you a story about banking, uh, a former banking institution that I dealt with prior to Check 22, and that's a whole other banking fiasco, 
um, it used to take a day or two for them to actually double check the numbers, whereas now it's checked right at the teller. But I used to handwrite them, and, and if you know me, my handwriting is worse than any doctor you could ever meet. So uh, I caught something once that they didn't find, but they always found when I was over than what the actual numbers were. So I started using a calculator. We have a system in place where you have to get, excuse me, you have to do the calculation twice and the numbers have to match and you have to make a copy of that before you bring it to the bank and all these other things to ensure that nobody screws us out of money. So the calculator is important in business. Cash is cash. Cash is king. You're talking about a deposit. Yeah, you're right to check the numbers twice. That's right. You just can't but, give it up. But, I, I but, 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 you're in the wrong bank because the bank I go to, you deposit it. And if you're over under, they tell you, oh, uh, oh, 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 you shorted yourself by 150 bucks, or you're wrong. You put down 150 more than what it really is. Uh, you know, so. I know, but it depends on who's taking the deposit and who thinks they could scheme or scam or skim for the day. Scheme, scam, skim. Yeah. Yeah. All right, look, it hasn't happened to me, okay? So I can't speak to that. And cash is king. Cash is king. Okay. I mean, you walk into a place like, let's say, some hot shot club, like whatever, and uh, you start showing people um, a bank statement. This is what I, well, look what I made, and it's all written out on a piece of paper. Or you're going in and you start flashing a shitload of bills. So what are you talking about? What are you talking about over there? Strip clubs? You're making it rain? What are you talking about? Um, Who I, goes into a club and shows off all the money they got? Yeah, you're using credit cards. I'm, I'm well, they, listen, there's pros and cons now. We can talk about that at any time. There's pros and cons. You're going to spend cash or you're going to spend credit. As long as you know what money you have, and that's really what it boils down to, and I know you know that, and I am like you. I got it from you. I know how much money I have, so when I use the credit card, I know what I'm doing. And the good thing about credit card, for those of you starting a business or in business, you may know, you know you have the money, why not let the money ride for 30 days, especially in the commercial sector where I'm at, where you're waiting a minimum of 45 to 90 days for your money. So that's where credit comes in. I know what you're talking about, but let's just talk about you going to a club and you don't have a bank statement and you have cash and then you get hit over the head and you let's get robbed. Let's just say it's a respectable, not a, not a strip club, all right? Everybody gets robbed anyway, in every I, kind I of club. I agree if you go We're going to a, a club on Thursday, and I'm sure that's what brought it up. Don't that's be flashing no money That's a respectable club. There. That's a respectable club. And because I am, I am who I am, I don't really need anything just to show up People are dazzled by my presence, so I, I'm like a free ride. It's a wonderful. But let's get back to the credit card. And if you're going into business, you're wearing that free ride out. Just you better, <laughs> <laughs> you better have a credit. You better get a credit card because you're going to need credit. And it's helpful when you buy things that you can give me your credit card number and stuff like that. So yes, I would say get a credit card uh, if you're in business. Don't go crazy with it though, like Joey said. You need to know exactly what's in it and how much you can lay out and how much you have to keep in reserve. We're going to segue into what we want to talk about today, which is growing up in Brooklyn then and now. And when I say then and now, 
I don't mean today because I don't think either one of us has a clue as to what it would be like growing up in Brooklyn today. Times change so much. Where I'm talking about the 80s and 90s, and Ed, you'd be talking about the 50s and 60s, I imagine. Okay. I don't, I mean, uh, is it earlier than that? I mean, were you around the Great Depression? Stop talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I was around when Harry Truman was president. I don't remember much about it. But there's a lot of differences and a lot of similarities. So we'll get through the the, uh, the easy ones. Ed Sheehan was uh, alive when the TV was invented. No, I wasn't alive when it was invented. I was alive when it became popular. Oh. It was invented a long time before it became popular. So you're going to listen to History Channel, pal. Yeah, I, I will when I'm, when I'm in between adventures. <laughs> I hope so. So, but, but that is one, one big difference, right? Wouldn't you say? Like, that you, you grew up well, as a child. When did you get your first TV? How uh, old were you? We don't need to... Probably nine. Right. So, so that, but, that but, had to be but, huge. But let me, let me go back and reminisce, if you will. Um, it was a time... No, there wasn't no TV, but there was radio. And you had all of these... Uh, sh- uh, much show- like podcast. Yeah, much like a podcast. And you had the shadow... You had a Captain Video, and they were all, oh, these adventures. And, of course, it ended with they were all in trouble. Tune in next week. And you were, oh, you were riveted to that. And I remember one time there was an ocean liner that was sinking, and it was a Captain Carlson, and he was trying to get this boat to shore. It had been attacked in a gale or something. I think he did get it to shore. He was hailed as a hero or something. But it was thrilling every day to see, listen, how he was getting closer to land and stuff like that. Um, The other thing about no television, or maybe it was more than that, I don't know, it was a different time. People came over your house, um, and they they had tea, you talked, they talked about everything from politics, religion, anything anything newsworthy, and uh, nobody had a gun, nobody had a knife. And um, it was just a more, to me, I mean, I guess as any kid, it, life is more tranquil when you're eight or nine years old because you don't understand or care what the hell's going on. You're having a great time. Um, so, yeah, when everybody started getting TVs, of course, you made, you made the guy that had the TV your best friend. So you could go over his house and watch TV. Then we wanted a TV. We want a TV. We want a TV. I remember our first TV was a Macy's Herald. And we had that for a long time because it had all of these tubes. And whenever something went wrong, Macy's Herald gave you a book to tell you what tube it was or what tube it could be. And my dad, rest in peace, used to go up to this TV store and ask for a couple of tubes. And one of those tubes was always the right tube, and he'd bring the other ones back and get a refund. So, you know, it was a big deal when something went out. Oh, my God, you got to do something, man. Davy Crockett's on... Of course, my favorite was Gene Autry, but Gene Autry conflicted with my mother's Rosary Society, which met once a week to say the Rosary for world peace. They met in the house or it was through the TV? No, it was in the house. There was like eight or ten women on the block. You switched house every week. So now there's a big thing coming up with Davy Crockett. Oh. One of those tune in next week. I had to go see. I had to. I had to see this thing, of course. And I knew I was going to see it because my mom had done the rosary in our house last week. But then calamity struck. 
The woman that was supposed to do it got sick. So my mother said, oh, I'll do it again. Ah! Anyway, you know, there were some disappointments and some triumphs. That was a big disappointment. Uh, it was just, you know, and then, you know, you're out in the street, and, of course, there's disagreements, and you had to make a reputation. You know, they told me that I was short for my age, but I noticed that when the guy's laying down after I smacked the shit out of him, I was taller than him. And sometimes I noticed somebody smacked the shit out of me, and I wasn't taller than him. But it was like a rite of passage. You had to make, you know, make, make your reputation, you know. And um, as uh, things went along, I realized people look at me and asking me questions, what are we going to do next? So I had a bit of a, a leadership quality that I exploited. <laughs> uh, wrongly because... In uh, the neighborhood? In the neighborhood. Kids' mothers would be coming to my mother and saying, your son did this, your son done that. So the gang we formed, we had to change the name of the gang to Sweeney's Gang. So these mothers could never find where Sweeney lived. That worked and it didn't work. So it was originally Sheehan's Gang? It was just that little Sheehan kid around the corner's a pain in the ass. Oh, that must have, how'd that fit on the jacket? I was proud of it. I was proud of it. <laughs> and, and then, you know, we would fight. We were on East 42nd Street. We fight with East 43rd Street. Then we made friends, and the two blocks would fight against Troy Avenue. And, and then, you know, we smartened up a little. We'd have hockey games against these other great softball games and occasional fights. But um, it was, you know, as I remember, it was like, and you had, you had very little responsibility. My main thing was to make money. Money, 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 money. At what age did that start? Six. Really? Yeah, I sold a, a tablet in front of the church on Sundays. What's the tablet, a newspaper? It's a Catholic newspaper that they sell it. At the time, they sold, sold it every mass. There wasn't, um, they made two cents a paper, so, you know. But lucky. back then, that was big wood, no? It made like a buck twenty. But... As I got older, maybe eight, nine, I got a tablet route. And that was, you could make a lot more money on that, and you only had to work one day a week. And you had a list of customers, you know, and then you, you, you canvassed. It was a good, it was good training for selling. And um, after that, I, um, I started my first business. Me and a guy named Richie DeBella, we were collecting newspapers. We used to store them in my parents' garage. And then his father had one of these old... LaSalle, I think, or DeSoto, no, DeSoto car with a big back and a big trunk. So we used to throw all the newspapers in there and we get 40 cents, 100 pounds. And um, that's how I got my first uh, seasons pass to Farragut Pool. For those of you that don't know, Farragut Pool was on Farragut Road and Albany Avenue. I think there, there was a path mark there. I don't know if it still is, but um, that was a big thing. Uh, you, gotta, you went there every day that it was sunny. You went swimming in the pool. Um, was before girls ruined everything because <laughs> you didn't care about them. You just wanted to have fun with your friends. And um, so, yeah, that was my first business. Then after that, I got a Ralph uh, delivering the New York World Telegram and Sun. That was another good um, lesson on how to sell and how sales could make money, make more money in your pocket, which helped me a lot um, when I eventually got into pest control. Have you ever noticed... That we always come back to business and making money. Because we were trying to talk about growing up in Brooklyn, then and now, your time and mine. And we, you know, we're back to how we're going to make money. 
Which, I, listen, I think it's good, or how you made money and how to grow and all Trust that. me, it's not a sin. But I, I did, so just listening to some of what you said, and, and even, you know, in all mediums of entertainment, nothing's changed much over, say, however long the TV's been around, 70 years or 80 years. It's always, tune in next week and see if so-and-so dies, or if they get back together, or blah, 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 and they suck you in. No, on Bonanza, or as Grandma used to call it, Bizani. <laughs> they always solved the problem at the end of the show. Oh, that was it. I had a show like that. So look, it's just, so nothing's, nothing's different. We had growing pains. Something always, and it was all done in 24 minutes. Yeah, life should be so easy. <laughs> it's a bad lesson for anybody. Well, now, Bizani uh, or Bonanza, depending on who you're listening to, that took almost an hour to solve. The, they had big problems. But it was just, um, you know, I'm tr- trying to think. The first time I think I sort of got into politics was when um, Fidel Castro was going to blow up New York. I'm like, wow. That was a thing? That could be a problem. Yeah, the Cuban Missile Crisis. And um, everybody swore that Kennedy did a good job. Yeah, they got out of it. But they also got us into it. If they'd have sent in the planes for the Bay of Pigs, they would have won the Bay of Pigs. Kennedy backed out. He punked out at the last minute. My opinion, of course, and if you don't agree with me, that's fine. I don't care. That's my opinion. And um, so we got over that, and I started like, wow, what's going on here? Then I went to a Barry Goldwater rally. Well, who's that, a communist? No, he's a conservative. I thought he, oh, I said, oh, this guy. But then LBJ told everybody he wasn't going to send any boys to fight in the foreign soil. And then he had 60,000, roughly, of our guys killed for nothing. He knew he was losing the war, that son of a bitch. And he still kept it up. So anyway. I'm just curious. Yeah. Growing up in Brooklyn. Yeah. This is global politics. I'm just trying to. Okay. So anyway, just trying to tie it in. Global. So okay. you had Sweeney's gang. Yeah. You fought the neighborhood. Yeah. No, I'm just. I'm just. So 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 Brooklyn is Brooklyn, I guess. Because yeah, we, but we yeah, but we didn't use guns. We didn't use knives. Sometimes you fought somebody, you beat the living shit out of them, and they beat the living shit out of you. Two days later, you were friends. Yeah, that. Well, we grew up in Brooklyn. I mean, well, you know where I grew up in Brooklyn. It was Flatbush Avenue was the dividing line. Between what? Between who you were going to beat up and who you aren't. So my first fabulous experience was, I think I was like 12 or 13. And uh, as you know, we lived one block off of Flatbush Avenue, which was, I guess, considered Marine Park or Flatlands. But basically it was a Marine Park against like Mill Basin. I was walking home, and I heard about these things that they called roll-ups where guys got out of a car and beat the shit out of you just because you lived on that side. But I was like, this don't make no sense. Kind of. I kind of knew it, but... So I took my first beating from four guys that jumped out of a car. But the next day, we got in a car with these other kids, and we went on the other side and beat up just random kids in the street. And that was the beginning of... I, I would never say I was in a gang. There were gangs and stuff like that, but I just had my crew that I rolled with. And thankfully, by the time of 16... We only, nobody, we didn't have too many problems, very little. Once in a while, we had a couple of fights, but nothing like, none of this gang stuff. But I will say, as I started to get older, when I was a kid, the worst thing you could do was get hit with a bat. Not that that doesn't hurt, but bats, hockey sticks, there were no knives or guns. But uh, I remember probably like my 10th or 15th time getting the crap kicked out of me. We got in a car and we went to El Park. <laughs> we were in the van with the kids and everybody had, we had bats, whatever, hockey sticks, chains. And uh, this kid uh, pulled a gun and just shot it twice. And like everybody, it was like the first time ever 
And we go all Whose side was he on? Whose side was he on? He was on our side. Oh. But, uh, and that was it. After that, I think I probably was like 15 at that time. And I was like, I really don't want to do this. I know some of it is necessary, but I don't think I want to just do it randomly. Like, if I got to fight, I got to fight. And then probably from then on, it was just regular beefs over nonsense. But no, no, like, you live on this side, I live on that side. But that's how the neighborhood was. And even, like, some of the younger kids from us, as they grew older, they started to change it. But but now there's also... But there also have been shootings and stabbings and stuff like that. Well, in my day, as you got older, like 17, 18, you started to realize that some guys were just nuts. And you'd been hanging out with them for years. They were good fighters. But it was never going to end with these guys. And uh, I remember one time they were going, um, had a big bunch of guys together. They were going to fight Pigtown because they said we couldn't use a PS-235 schoolyard. I'm like, I'm done with this shit. Got what was, what's Pigtown? That was uh, guys that lived on the other side of Clarkson Avenue. Why, because they were pig farms? Yeah, during World War II and shortly after that, there were pig farms up there. I remember when, when uh, on Sundays... Grandpa would always take you for a walk to Pigtown because uh, give grandma a break. You went to walk for Pigtown, you were really tired when you got home. But, um, you know, they would, they were taking the antennas off cars and whipping the shit out of each other. And I just, I didn't see it. You know what? So we can play in 135. What's the big deal? You know, having said that, I did get into a fight with some guy, uh, PS 235. I wish I had tapes of that fight. We were killing each other. Luckily, I won on a lucky punch. Because if I didn't hit him with that punch, I would have collapsed. But uh, it sort of made my reputation. This guy will never give up. <laughs> Ten more seconds, I was ready to fall off. But anyway, you started to say these guys that wanted to continue the fighting, I wasn't the only one that said, I don't think so anymore, and this, that, and the other thing. And then the uh, friggin' drugs came in, and uh, guys that were real smart in school, uh, but uh, stupid as far as street smarts went. <sighs> they lost it all. I mean, they, they, they took trips to LSD. And so so when did drugs start for you? Like when you were a kid? They never started for me. You know what I mean. When did when they start? When they came in. Yeah. Um, I would say around 63 or 64. We had this guy with a real skinny face. I'm not mentioning any names. He's dead anyway. But um, it reminded me of... If, this is if, if there is a devil, this is what the devil would look like. And um, they used to get this stuff called Robitussin AC, cough medicine. But you can only get so much of it a month. So, you know, they're threatening me. If you don't get it, blah, blah, blah. So, don't do what you got to do. And he did nothing. But he got another good friend of mine hooked on it. And um, it seemed like everybody was into it. And I was like a freak because I didn't do it. So I had to slap people around a little to get them to shut up. But, you know, I noticed one thing. The girls liked the guy that wasn't on drugs. Uh, anyway, um, part of the reason I wasn't on drugs because, you know, you figure your parents don't know what's going on. Um, just about the same time, I found out about Robitussin. My father talked to me, told me, you ever take those drugs, you just sold your soul to the devil. So, you know, I, I had known that my parents were poor when they grow up, grew up. And they struggled a lot to get to America, and I was the oldest son, and I couldn't fuck up. I had to do good, one way or another. School was not it for me. I didn't like school until I got into pest control, then I couldn't get enough schooling. And I got better schooling by people in the street, 
People in business taught me different things. Uh, I remember uh, Teddy Jabara Sr. Uh, helping me out, giving me a lot of advice. Well, school is one of those things that, because you certainly went to school. I went to school. I wasn't no, but I'm just I'm saying it's one of those things like you didn't, you didn't do the structured school. You decided to go in business, but you continued education, but educating yourself, which I think is way different than being told read these 45 books and take this test when you're like, I got to learn this or I want to learn this. You have this, a lot more on that. the line and, and you can see the results of learning your craft, your trade. And, and you know, besides Teddy Jabbar, uh, it was Erwin Levy, or Seymour Levy, Erwin's his son, uh, Sal Foreman, Bob Norton, uh, Donald McGarrity, and, and it goes on and on, Bob Poirier. These are guys that would give me advice, show me different ways to do things, how to handle different problems. So yeah, I would say got a better education working and, and running into all of these older people that had been through the, the mill. I also learned a lot by joining the Pest Control Association. I was so thrilled. First time I went to one of the meetings and I heard that these old guys that were like in their 40s <laughs> had the same problems I had. Misery likes company. And I spoke to some of them, and some of them had solved the problems, and they told me how they solved the problems. So it's a shame that, um, that our, and again, I'm getting off on politics. Our politicians yes. don't learn this to talk to each other. Uh, that's enough of that. But anyway, um, I just have fond memories. I mean, it was sad that there was such a division of the, the damn war. Everybody was one way or the other, and, uh, and very sad. But... Um, it was a time I met a lot of nice women, some not so nice women, and I had, I had a good time. Okay, whatever time that was growing up in Brooklyn. So growing up in Brooklyn, I mean, even for me, how much it's changed now, it's like one of the num. it's the hot spot to live. It was the most expensive place to live, I think, a year or two ago, uh, beat out San Francisco. But what do you think of the fact that there's a 73-story building going up at Flatbush Avenue Extension? Where in the extension? I sent it to you. It's the address is three forty. Oh, that's up something north. like. It's up. It's up downtown. Um, I would say to you, how many stories is in that building in Sheepshead Bay, the condo building that's to me is the tallest building in Brooklyn right now. This is probably going to be the tallest building in Brooklyn. It's gonna it's gonna vie for the tallest residential building Who's in building? the city. Who's building? Who's building? I have the information. It's in the link that I gave you. But what do you think about it? It's a 73-story building in Brooklyn that used to be in an area that was a wasteland when you were growing up. Oh, when you were growing up, it probably wasn't. When I was growing up, it was an area that you didn't want to go to. Well, you know, I remember, you talk about wasteland. I remember we had contracts with the city. And it was this one building, I don't know, we're getting a couple of hundred dollars a month. And you did, you know, virtually very little in there. And one of my men came back and said, oh, the guy says that this is it. They're tearing down the building. I'm like, oh, shit. You know, 200 a month, eh, that's a nice bit of change. Well, on that site or, or around that site, they built Metrotech. And we were fortunate enough to get in with Metrotech. And I learned a lot of lessons from Metrotech, too. Great gentleman there, rest in peace, uh, Terry Whalen, um, taught me what it was like to be a good boss. Tell somebody you got a problem, ask them to fix it. If they fixed it, thank you, and they pay you. 
I think if they didn't fix it, he might not have been so nice. But he was just a cool guy. Anyway, so we lost $200, and we picked up a lot more than that over the years. So is it good? I think it's good because, you know, I, I remember when I first became an exterminator, we got some accounts in the Bronx. You're from Brooklyn. Oh, what a shithole. And people say, well, you know. Right, we thought the same thing about the Bronx. Well, I'm just talking. <laughs> people, you know, you'd be, in the, you'd be where everybody hung out in those days, Pat's Candy Store on Troy Avenue. And you go in there for your coffee. Where are you going today? I got to go to the Bronx. Holy shit, you think you're going to come back from there alive? And what people don't realize, <laughs> there's a lot of similarities in Brooklyn and the Bronx. And that's the problem, you know, if you get, you, you all have these ideas, but they're just ideas. If you get well, you out gotta get up and, and see things. things, get out, yeah. get off your comfort zone, get off your ass and go see things, you see them a little differently. When we were kids, we used to say things, and I, I remember this, and I think the twins would remember this, and Lenny too. We used to be like, fuck the Bronx. We ever go there, we're going to beat them up. Like, we were going to beat up the whole fucking Bronx. Well, <laughs> that was just a thing in Brooklyn. And I think a lot of anybody from Brooklyn that's listening, you'll know there's just a certain thing about the borough and how we represent ourselves and how we feel about it. And we're so passionate. Like, I mean, bring people, like, we've changed basketball teams because we got a basketball team here. But... It's just people, like, I went to college and met people from Brooklyn that I didn't know from Adam, and that Brooklyn bond alone, kids from neighborhoods that I've never been to, Bed-Stuy, Bushwick, Cypress, just because we were from Brooklyn, we gave each other a shot at, at being friends just off the strength of Brooklyn, and there's so many similarities, and one of the funny similarities is all of the kids that I know from Brooklyn that I've met later on in life all have the same exact story about downtown Brooklyn. We would never go there after dark. And if you were down there at twilight, you were running to the bus because it wasn't your neighborhood. And it, it, at that time, when I was a kid, when we used to go to Fulton Street, it could have just been the hype. But everyone we knew that was there after dark got robbed and like robbed, like walking home in their underwear robbed. So back in the 60s, when we, you know, you finished drinking, <laughs> there was two places you went. You either went down to Nathan's. I went down with my friend. In Coney Island. A lot of friends. Yeah, Nathan's in Coney Island. My friend always liked frog's legs. Yuck. So I got hot dogs and uh, whatever, French fries. And um, if you didn't go there, you went to this place on Atlantic Avenue in Flatbush. It was a triangle in the middle of the street. And it was a guy there that sold hamburgers and hot dogs only. And yeah, there were tough looking guys around here, but um, I don't, we, we never got bothered. I mean, we didn't look for trouble or anything. We ate and got in the cars and got the hell out of there. But yes, uh, that area too, uh, Atlantic Avenue uh, going from uh, Flatbush Avenue to Vanderbilt, that was um, an area I became very familiar with because there were meatpacking uh, factories there and there were a ton of rats. It was really good. For business, but I, I mean, I was working for people at that time. Speaking of which, um, when I first started my business, I ran into a gentleman. I'm gonna call him a gentleman, a real son of a bitch, um, on Wyona Street, and I'm gonna guess either Sutter or Blake Avenue. And he told me that that was his area, that I shouldn't be working there. I told him, Bullshit, it's America. My father told me I could go wherever I want. And him and his... Your father told you like he's the president. Uh, yeah, that's right. He was. Just, it just... All right. Anyway... You look, he's ready to fucking flare and up. And anyway, right um, 
they kicked the shit out of me, him and this other guy. I remember thinking, like, they're going to kill me. And I was going to make try and get up and make one more chance. And they said, did you learn a lesson? So I said, yeah. They let me go. Dumb bastards. The lesson I learned was I'm going to get my friends. And we went back within an hour to this guy's store. And he was there with the same guy. And we beat the living shit out of him. And this guy had pest control products, you know, liquid for sale and glass. We broke all his glass jars and everything else. Allegedly. And, and of course, no, it's true. And, uh, and of course, my friend whose name I, he came to be a good friend, uh, unfortunately, he had a rough life. Um, he told them, they know who I am, but they didn't know who the rest of them were, and they would come back and uh, things would be worse. So that was the end of it. Uh, I never got bothered again, um, but it was a good lesson. If somebody wanted to work for me and they wanted to go into business, that's their right as an American. If you touch my stops, then maybe there'd be consequences. But other than so that... So basically, growing up in Brooklyn, then and now, there's yeah. only a couple of differences. Color televisions, knives and guns. Yeah, slight differences. Instead of fists, knives and guns. Or instead of fists and bats, or fists and... Uh, Antennas off cars, which you can't get anymore. Um, yeah. It, 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 but, the, you know... Oh, yeah, you there got, are no antennas on cars. You, you saw me just think for a second, like, uh, there's antennas on cars, but I know what you're talking about. So, there's none of those... <laughs> I know, I, yes. There's not anyway, the old ones, the good ones the that you could that can help we, you out in a the situation. The solutions that we used to settle disputes were not as final as some of the solutions today. Well, not only that, even nowadays, like, it's funny because we have these conversations and why my kids will not hear this podcast ever until they're 18 or older, is that things are different now. Like, I, I know a lot of your stories from when you were growing up, and, and to say that we tried to emulate you is probably true or more impress, <gasps> or more impress you, like, that we, you know, we did similar I'll tell you what I was or, very impressed with. When your brother body slammed that kid from around the corner... He almost killed them. Yeah, I was impressed with that. <laughs> and then, that and this same, is what wait, I'm, wait, I don't want to do with my children. That same kid, that same kid, we were pitching for some baseball team in a league, and he gets up and he, and he's, I'm gonna knock this ball out of the place, Sheehan. And it's just so cool the way. Come on, get up, you bum! And you struck him out, and I'm like. <laughs> Well, that's almost as good as the body slam. I'm glad the kid recovered, but somebody after that game come over and goes, what'd you do to train Joey to throw the ball like that? I feed him raw meat. <laughs> that same kid, though, we laid, not that, I don't want to say we became friends, but just to see like how you could have a similar, uh, you could join forces for a good cause. Uh, he's running down the street in like boxes with a, with a broom after one of the bums in the neighborhood, right? You guys would, ref they referred to as homeless people now, but he they was. They were bums. Bum. They're still bums. He was bums. a derelict back then. And we're like, what are you doing? He's like, this kid just hit my brother, blah, blah, blah. Oh, the, the bum just hit his brother. And we all ran after the bum. Like, we joined forces for a good cause. And Was it that bum that I'm thinking of? No, it was the bum with the bird nest hairdo. <laughs> he only came, I think he followed Mike DiCarlo's. Uh, plan of action because he was never around in the winter only in the summer i think he did three hots and a cots for got like a six to nine month stretch but uh i'll never forget like I, we like after we after we did whatever we did to the bum we all looked at each other and knew we didn't like each other and we just nodded there was no handshake or nothing and we left but so, for a good cause we got together so let's go back to the 60s after a while you sort of graduated from 
friends you grew up with through the 50s and 60s, and you saw these ghoul guys hanging out. They were older. They all seemed to be having a good time. And um, you wanted to get in with them because they had a storefront. It wasn't, it wasn't, they weren't gang. They owned the business, and it was like a real good time. So I, I, I don't even know how I got in with them. I knew somebody. And anyway, every Friday night you met there after work, you decided where we were going, drinking and everything. And as, as my pest control business grew, I would be going home early on a Friday night. A Saturday was my big night because I had a lot of work on Saturday. But even these guys, I remember I was, I was bidding on a hotel and I had a suit. And I, you I, better not tell the fucking belt story again. Why not? Did I tell it before? Yes, sir. I told the belt story oh, before. Geez. But if you don't want to hear about the belt Jesus story, Eddie. you can you can let me know at colonyconfidential at gmail.com. Or listen I'm to sure the other fucking podcast. That would want, you know, listen, you want to know about the belt story. Trust me. Anyway, we had a lot of time. It was a lot of drinking with these guys. And um, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, you try to keep it under control and... Of course, after a while, it got a little crazy, and um, took me a while to straighten that shit out. I didn't go to any program. I went to my own program, which was keeping a record of all the money I spent, and I realized I was spending $1,400 a month in a bar in 1971-72. It was a lot of money. Another story told on the podcast. All right, so I told it again. Okay, yeah. so where do you want to go? Not, well, I think we're going to go home with this. Um, so, yeah, Brooklyn then and now. You, uh, you're told you could take over the world. You get smacked around doing it, and uh, you, keep, you keep going. You got to stay focused. You got to have a goal. If you don't have a goal, you're nothing. If you're always poor me, poor me, well, then poor you. You know, who's the, who's, who causes the problem? You know, it's always good to blame somebody else. You know, he told me to do this, and he did that, and I did that. And then one day, if you're lucky like me, you look in the mirror, and you find out the son of a bitch who caused your problem is you. And you got to tell people I ain't doing that anymore and take the consequences and straighten out. Get a goal in life. Me, I was always making money. I just found pest control. I liked meeting people. I learned different cultures. I got educated on the world. I saw things differently than, than I was led to believe uh, on television. And um, it changed my life for the better. Growing up in Brooklyn, for me, was a good experience for the most part. Um, I'd like, <clears throat> if anybody know me, knew me, and I haven't talked to you in years, it's because the whole neighborhood split up in the late 60s, early 70s. So I don't know where you are. I know some people are dead, unfortunately. But my name is Ed Sheehan. Uh, you can get in touch with me in uh, Colony Confidential at gmail.com. Yeah, hey, I'm even on Instagram these days. Boy, am I progressing. I'm sure my son is very happy that I have that. Because, you know, he wants him to be modern. Anyway, if you want to look me up on Instagram, my name is Honest Ed. And um, for the most part, that name's true. Not completely, but mostly true. Uh, if you want to call us at Colony Confidential, you can call us at 917-765-0714. And listen... You just don't have to call because you know me. You don't have to get Instagram because you know me. You can also ask us questions about pest control. What I'm really interested in, though, besides pest control, is tell me your experience or tell us your experience of growing up in Brooklyn, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever, or even in the 30s.
let us know uh, great stories and the, to me it was a great place to, to uh, grow up. I grew up in East Flatbush on a dead end block on East 42nd Street between Snyder Avenue and a dead end. So I think what we got today from Brooklyn then and now is that things change and things stay the same. I don't recall exactly who said that, but I think if you listen to this, it, it rings true. Some, some things are different, but basically the gist is the same. Um, I love Brooklyn. I love growing up there, bumps and bruises aside. If some of the things we were talking about ring bells for you, by all means, hit us up at colonyconfidential at gmail.com. You can call and leave a message, 917-765-0714. I know everybody thinks people in Brooklyn have accents, but everybody else got a fucking accent, and that's how we roll in Brooklyn. Colony Confidential is going to be down in Orlando, Florida at the Pest World Show from October 23rd to the 26th. We want to have a booth down there. I think you should stop by. We can have some fun. We want to hear your stories. Maybe you have some problems. I don't mean emotional. I mean with pest control. Uh, I'm the last guy who could help you with that. Emotional problems. Anyway, stop by our booth down in Orlando, Florida, Pest World. We'd love to see you. And thanks again for listening.